The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of H2O. Jason Hunt here in the bunker and joining me over the Ansible phone thing. A mobile communication device that is no longer really a telephone. Mr. Timothy Harvey. Hello there. Yes, we are speaking through the power of the future. And this this week's episode, it's going to be a little bit more abbreviated than most. I say that every time, and it ends up going about an hour and a half. We're, we're going to keep it short tonight because we are recording very late in the evening. Um, and as some of you know... Uh, We've been doing uh, some different things during the day jobs that have got us uh, going going six dozen different directions. So it's been a crazy week here. Uh, it's also been a crazy week in the news department. Uh, there, there's a ton of it that is all coming out at the same time this week. And, you know, in the last... Oh, two or three days, we've just had all sorts of announcements coming out of CinemaCon, uh, which is something actually we really should cover a little bit more uh, uh, enthusiastically. Uh, uh, what's not, that's not the right word I'm looking for. A little bit more thoroughly. Enthusiastically. Uh, and enthusiastically, yes. I've only had I've only had my, my one cup of coffee today, so. Um, oh, that's crazy. What's wrong with you? I know, right? So here's here's what we're going to do. This is going to be sort of a uh, sort of a weekend review type of edition where we're just going to roll through a lot of these headlines from the week and give you um, just some real quick gut reactions and stuff, and see what happens. And I'm going to roll all the way back to. Monday? When is Monday? Monday. April 11th. Let's start... Well, we could go back even further than that. Um, April 10th? What was the beginning of the week? The beginning of the oh, week? Okay, this is the 10th, yeah. Yeah, that would be the 10th. Okay, so we'll start on the 10th, and we will do a, 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 a mini weekend review, because uh, weekend review over at Sci-Fi For Me TV is... is on hiatus once again because nobody watches it. So here we go. April 10th. Uh, first thing, let's just get uh, a very fast uh, reaction to the photograph posted by Mark Hamill, uh, wherein <laughs> he is on Daisy Ridley's back, uh, very much in the same uh, in the same vein as Yoda on Mark Hamill's back. Uh, from The Empire Strikes Back. This was on Daisy, Daisy Ridley's birthday he posted this. And it just blew up the internet. Oh, yeah. And it was funny. And it's, and it's, oh, it's very funny. It, it, I mean, you know, there's been so many different variations of this photo that have popped up. Um, where people have just, they've added things in, they've put them on a tauntaun, they've given them lightsabers, they've done, you know, They've actually shrunk Mark Hamill down to Yoda size. Um, they give it in the ears. I mean, it's just everybody loves this photograph. And and it shows it shows where where Hamill is at his in his life. He's having so much fun with this. You can tell just just from the well, nature of the yeah. of the way he's been trolling the internet because he he does this kind of stuff on Twitter all the time. Oh yeah. Well, and, you know, he's somebody who, you know, you hear about this from time to time about how, you know, after Star Wars, his movie career didn't really do much. Right. And he did a little bit of television, but mostly he became the big voice actor. And the the really cool thing is that he's always just seemed to be enjoying himself, no matter what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And you we, you know, you never heard him. You never heard anything about him complaining about not having the big, you know, the success of Harrison Ford or, or anything like that. Um, he just sat there and does the job and seems to enjoy himself. So this, 
And anyway, we and you know we've seen him. There's a there's a thing. Uh, there was an interview. I think it was maybe a year out from from New Hope or uh, Force Awakens. Uh, uh, Freudian slip there. Force Awakens <laughs> opening, where he was talking about you know just the the amazing fact that he was doing this, playing this part all these years later. Yeah. Um, and just the fun. I mean, he just, he just has, seems to have a good time, and that is just really cool. Yeah, and and you know that could that leads us into the project that he's doing now, uh, or just finished because we're getting teasers and trailers for it now. The Killing Joke, the new animated, yeah. the new animated Warner Brothers, and it is official as of uh, today, Thursday, April fourteenth. Uh, the Killing Joke animated film will be rated R. Which is completely appropriate, I think. It's disappointing. That is a, it's not a surprise. No, it's, it's not a surprise, it's, but it no, is very it, disappointing to me. It's not disappointing to me because it's not. it was not a comic book for kids. It was not something we should be watching with kids. I know. Um, but, I think that, that is the kind of thing that it, it should have. I mean, it's... It's dark, and it's I mean, it's complex. It's not dark for the sake of being dark. It's a complex story, and it goes to some really, really uncomfortable places in the, in, in the service of telling what really has become one of the seminal Batman stories. I'm not denying any Joker of that. Stories. I'm not denying any of that, but my complaint comes from... Uh, my the the point of view that I've had for a number of of uh, well for a what yeah for a number of years now I'll say since Flashpoint Paradox, James Tucker has taken these films away from my being able to watch them with it, with my kid. I can't watch any of them with my kid, and this is just yeah, this is, one more in another line of titles that they but, are but doing. Jason, no, I, I I get it. This particular one, yes, it makes sense that it's going to be say, rated R. This one was never going to be a film that you could watch with your kids if they did it properly. Well, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's it does, just, it it's just to, another it one. With, it has nothing to do with James Tucker. It's the subject matter. Well, it's... No it's, matter no it's matter who was running it. I know. No matter who was running it. I know. So blaming it on James Tucker is completely unfair. Well, sin, no, because since James Tucker has been there... All of the films have been dark enough that I can't watch them with my kid. There is no variety. There is no switch up and doing anything else. It's all of them are this way. That's two two separate issues, though. Because it wouldn't matter if Bruce Timm had done The Killing Joke, it would have been rated R. I'm I'm not saying it it wouldn't be. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're, this is, this is the outlier. I mean, you, I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue that the that the sub, the, the sense of Bruce Tim stopped doing the animated stuff. Uh, it has been a much darker tone. It certainly has been. But this is the outlier. This is this is the one you cannot look at as part of the trend, because anybody telling this story and doing it accurately to the story that was that you know. And I'm not saying you couldn't do a PG-13 version of it, but it would lack. Uh, well, was, now, you, now wait a minute. You have to lose so much of the story. Not necessarily, because there was an interview that Bruce Tim did, where he was talking about uh, the the fact that the stuff that's in this film back then, when 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 the book came out, if you'd done a, a movie version of it, it would have been rated R. Now things have things have gotten so we've gotten so jaded. And accepting in what's what's okay to put on TV, Bruce, you know, Bruce Tim was sitting there saying, "I don't even know that it would get an R," because well, you know na- nowadays because the standards have changed. All the all of the all of the what's what's appropriate and what's not has changed since that book's come out. Well, and I, you, you could argue that, but you'd also have to recognize the fact that the rating system for movies animated or live action or whatever doesn't make any sense for anybody. No, that's true. I'm, so I think that, you know, honestly, I would rather have it be an R-rated film because it's adult subject matter. Oh, and I'm not arguing and, that point. I'm, I'm so, not, I'm uh, not know, arguing that point, but I just, it's, it's just, it's it was, just it, the next one. Frankly, I thought, you know, I, 
I thought that if the dark the uh, the dark Knight returns, one of the reasons I didn't like that adaptation as much is that it was toned down from the comic. Not by much. Um, not by enough to sit there and and, those, and as much as you know, I, I also feel there was some miscasting. Oh yeah, in, yeah, definitely. To be sure. I my um, my but, biggest my biggest complaint about Dark Knight Returns was Peter Weller as Batman. He sounded bored. And I, well, and and I think that unfortunately, as much as Peter Weller is a fantastic actor, um, I don't think of him ever as a voice actor. And no. I, I know he's, yeah. I know he's another voice work, but it's not it's not he's he's someone who I think you lose something by not being able to see his face. Because there's there's it's part of part of what makes him Peter Weller the actor that we like is things he does with his mouth, things he does with his eyes. He's and there's there's it's subtle stuff on a lot of times on his face, but it tells you a lot, right? Um, so, but you know, I, this particular case, the R rating, I think, is appropriate. Um, I would not. I would not. This is not a. This is not a film. I don't think it's a film you could do live action. Um, well, you could, but I, I, I don't think that no one's going to make the live action version of, of Killing Joe. Oh no, 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 no! I would, um, I wouldn't imagine anybody would want to try it. Um, but I think for the for an animated version, you know, this is this is one of those where I think the, the R rating is completely appropriate. I think it's I think it's a good good call, um, and I'm much more comfortable to going. Killing Joke, R-rated, awesome. Um, as opposed to Batman versus Superman, R- <laughs> Director Scott's got an R-rating. Eh, okay, great. That's that's dumb. Yeah, um, well, and, and we heard they're they're thinking about a theatrical uh, theatrical release for either the the full four hour cut or the R-rated cut. Are they the same? They're one and the same, right? To the best of my knowledge, they're one and the same. I think. Yeah. That, I think that that would be. Probably, uh, I mean, it's gonna have, it would have an audience. I would, I think, I think I would be okay watching the extended version at home. <laughs> I mean, I, I love movies, and I have no problem watching a long film if it flows. Right. But, um, for a lot of those things, it's like I, you know, I'm I'm going to need a break at the two hour point. Wow, I'm looking at at uh, I'm looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh-huh. for Batman vs Superman. The now the first week there was a big difference between the the critics percentage and the fan the audience score. And I don't remember what it was. Right now, I'm looking at it right now. The critic score, 28%. Yeah. The audience score, 69%. That's a big drop. Because I think it was somewhere, the audience score somewhere in the first week was somewhere over 85, 90%. And you take that into account, you take the box office drop into account... This thing, you know, because they're talking about, you know, it was what seven hundred million dollars to make and two hundred fifty, three hundred million dollars or whatnot in marketing and and publicity and and all of this other stuff and the distribution costs and everything. It's only, you know, it's only clocking in around eight hundred million so far. What it's going to look like? It it doesn't look like it's going to hit the billion dollar mark. And how crazy is that that we're looking at billion dollars as a regular benchmark anymore? Oh, I know that's insane. It is. Um, it is. And, and what's interesting, of course, is that you know we didn't used to look at international markets at all. Right. It was all domestic, and now it's such a reverse. And and I, I get that because it's a global it's a global marketplace now. But it's, it is still a very strange thing to me, and that's I think that's a factor of you know being forty almost forty six. Yeah. Um, that uh, uh, I'm the majority of my life, you know, it's been domestic sales. That's 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 your key. And now, of course, it's it's you know, uh, well, and and so much of the American audience actually watches their movies at home. You know, the the days of everybody goes out to the movies are past. 
Well, uh, if AMC if AMC does what they're thinking about doing, then going to the movies is not going to be any different than going anywhere else. Do you see that uh, right. about them yeah, wanting to allow texting in the theater? Are you are you kidding me with this? See, they tweeted. They put out a tweet. I think I think it was a tweet where they said something along the lines of, you know, this isn't quite what we were t- we're talking about. Um, but you know, I. I could, you could sure, yeah, the live tweeting and the promotions and blah, 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 I get all that. But there is something. And again, I don't know, I don't, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it is a, a function of age, of, of, of the memory of the movie theater thing as an event. Yeah. Um, but I, that's what I go to, I still go to the movie theater for. Um, I remember and... in 1978, my family, my entire family, all four of us, my sister, my dad, and my mother, we all went to see Superman. And I distinctly remember at the time thinking to myself, this is a big deal because my mom never goes to the movies. <laughs> yeah. She went with us well, when, we, when we saw Star Wars. And she went with. She went when we saw Superman, and you don't. I, before that, I think, I think the the time before that where she went to the movie, she took us to see Peter Pan when I was five. I mean, I, it, it does not ever happen. My mom has probably gone to the movies more frequently now that she's a grandmother and she goes to see some of the animated stuff with James. You know, growing yeah. up, that was that was something that they did, but. She doesn't go to the movies just by herself, just for her. That just doesn't right. happen. But when the family went, you're right. It was the event. It was something. It was something special. It was some. We're all going to get ready and get in the car and go somewhere. And I think it was think a treat. Shift, oh yeah, I think the big shift happened when we when the multiplex. I think that was the beginning of it. To be perfectly honest, because you think? when. Yeah, because when, when I was going to things like Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark or Superman, um, you know, we were going to see that they were they were single screen theaters. And this is Wichita, Kansas, of course. So this is a you know, it's it's not you know New York or Chicago or, or Dallas or or you know Denver or any of these places that are big markets. Um, but you know, we it was the Crest Theater, and we stood in line, and depending on the film, that line stretched around the block. Yeah, um, and the architecture inside was gorgeous, and unfortunately, it, it, the theater itself is long gone. Um, but the multiplex, I think, really kind of turned it into this. You know, it's kind of like the like the you know the explosion of the mall, where you had all this stuff there, and so it became this sort of you know uh, you, you then the sheer number of people just grew who who were going to this sort of thing. Um, and to some degree, the fact that it wasn't something that you had kind of had to uh, schedule and and plan for and make a thing, you could just you know, hey, you go, put on the movie, and you go, um, you know, and it, it meant that we got to see more things because, of course, you know, again, we've talked about this before. It was, you know, back in back in those days, you know, the films would stay in theaters for months and months and months. Right, um, and then the, the you know the things the multiplexes come along, and, and of course you could have a lot more films to watch, but they stayed in the theater a shorter time. Um, but yeah, I, it's I'm I'm curious to see what they're thinking here. But the, yeah, like I said there there was a data tweet or something about or later. Uh, I saw I saw it today uh, where they were talking about how it's not quite as we're allowing texting in our theaters now. Um, but uh, I think they're going to try and do a couple of, they're going to try and run some experimental things to see if it's even a viable thing for, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I just, well, and, you know, and they take this back to the millennials being the one of the reasons why, because millennials are not going to the theater, not like not like we used to. Um I don't know. It's just the, just the very idea. I I still get my backup when I see TV commercials in the movie theaters. 
You know, that still annoys me. I, I walk in and, you know, you've got uh, – because there's always something playing on the screen because, you know, advertising, you got to make their money. Sure. But right. when – and I don't even remember when they started doing this, but when they when they started running TV commercials in the movie theater – and I think I remember which – what was – I think the very first TV commercial I saw in a movie theater was Pepsi, I think. And I remember saying out loud – why are they running a TV commercial in a movie theater? Whose idea was this? That's a stupid idea. If I want to see TV commercials, I'll watch TV. I don't go to the well, movie theater now, or watch TV commercials. Yeah, but now, of course, we have all the different things where, you know, you've got a Roku box or whatever, and you can just fast forward through the commercials. Like, if well, I know, a way to get still, their, their product in front of the people's eyes anyway. I put grass seed out on my lawn this week. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was last week. It was last week. I'm sorry. I, you know, I the days are all running together here. I I woke up. Sure. I woke up last. Was it last Thursday? Thinking it was Wednesday most of the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of weeks I've been having. Captain America: Civil War. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, 100 percent on the critic side, 99 percent on the audience side. That's crazy stuff. Uh, we're I, that's that's going to be such a fun movie, and that's going to kill Batman Five. You know, it, oh, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the it, box office it, on that, the the number, the week to week numbers for that, the first three or four weeks are going to be solid. You just know they are. Yeah, I but, I really wish that they had opened the same weekend because I would I would have loved to see what 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 would have happened. Yeah, see, you know, I think I think the we are comparing apples and oranges there, though, because you know what what DC. I'm sorry, what Warner Brothers, because I think I think I'm going to make the distinction between DC and Warner Brothers when it comes to, to some of these things. Um, what Warner Brothers tried to do here by bringing all these characters in into this film, which should have been, in my opinion. Man of Steel 2 and develop the story and bring him bring him to the point where he's Superman in, in everybody's eyes. But it didn't happen that way. They tried to do, in the course of one movie, what Marvel has done over, what, six? So oh, yeah. There's, you, are, you are looking at a, a film that audiences have had the build-up for. They've had the build-up through the first Captain America, the, the Avengers films, through the Iron Man films, through the second Captain America, through Avengers 2, you know, and now we've gotten to this point. So, you know, and they've taken their, you know, they've taken their, uh, they took their risks early on and then found the formula that worked. And what they were talking to, somebody was interviewing Kevin Feige, and they asked him about what would have happened if the Avengers film had had the kind of critical backlash, an audience backlash that Batman uh, versus Superman has had. And the way he answered the question implied that they might not have continued in the direction they were, that they did, if it had not had the response that it had. Right. Um, which, when you think about it, um, uh, could completely have changed the landscape for superhero films. If they, if, Avengers, if the first Avengers had not worked uh, the way that it had, and they got this kind of reaction, yeah, it would have changed everything. So, if they had decided to to make a correction, uh, a course correction on that, so um, it's. It's interesting, you know, that I, the, the logical thing here is to put the two of them up against each other. But I think we're talking, I think we really are talking apples and oranges. I think, I think we're going to have to start looking at, I, <laughs> I think honestly, we're going to start counting the, the DC Universe movies from Suicide Squad. Probably. From Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman, and and I think those are the two that if they, you know that's going to be the point where we're going to go. Okay, here we go. 
Well, um, and and if any of the rumors are true, then uh, we're looking at like you were like you said uh, the the possibility of a course correction, like Foggy was talking about. Uh, we may be getting something like that with Justice League because we're hearing rumors that the suits at Warner Brothers recognize. Okay, explain the logic to this. The the suits at Warner Brothers recognize that there may have been a problem with Batman versus Superman. All of the critics point to Snyder. All of the fans point to Snyder. Great for visuals, crap for storytelling. The guy couldn't tell a story to save his life. Everybody knows that the problem with the DC Cinematic Universe right now is Zack Snyder and his vision for this whole thing. And Warner Brothers is still letting him go ahead with Justice League knowing that he's caused the problem that now they have to adjust for. Well, okay, there's a couple of there's a couple of things there. One, and I've I have defended this before. Um, his his uh, Dawn of the Dead remake in what what two thousand and four two thousand and two whatever that was. Yeah, but I would um, argue that was a completely different Zack Snyder than what we got now. Well, but, but no, there's there's well, yeah, of course there is. He's he's older now. Um, the the thing that. If I were a studio head at this point, uh, I'd be going to him and saying, okay, here's the deal. This is what's going on. We control the purse strings. This is what we want. Can you do that? If he says yes, they go, all right, that's fine. But look at, you know, you know, you look at things like his Dawn of the Dead. You look at the fact that, you know, he gave us probably the best movie version and uh, the, the the distinction there I think I think Watchmen would much better serve as being a miniseries um, but I think he probably gave us the best movie version we could get um, certainly at the time yeah but the argument on Watchmen doesn't really hold because he didn't he didn't tell that story he told Alan Moore's story well and it was okay, it was didn't. as no, close no, to an adaptation it was it was as close to a straight up adaptation just take the book and put it on the on the screen as you could get sure but he also he also didn't write the script for Batman versus Superman so yeah but I Batman mean, versus it, Superman is not based on a particular book it's it's a it's a no, hodgepodge it's, of all these different yeah throw those like we talked sure. about on Rogues Gallery yeah throw that in too it's it's every it's a little mix of all of the other things that oh this would be so cool and thus that's sure, that's but, how Zack Snyder di- directed this film I think. Well, but also remember that you know a director works for the studio. The studio tells him what to do, and they do it. We are pa- we are past the point, well past the point that you have, and certainly Zack Snyder would wouldn't be one of them anyway. You are past the point of the kind of director who who force of will basically bends the studio to his or her will. I don't know. We heard we all if you listen to if you listen to what McQueenie said at Hitfix a few weeks ago when the movie was finished and screened for the suits, it was not the movie they were expecting. That was the that was the, the rumor. So it could very well be that Snyder delivered a film that they weren't expecting. And they sat there yeah, and go, but... Well we've spent seven hundred million dollars, what are we gonna do now? It's like when Apple made the, the when they had the commercial for the for the Macintosh. Nineteen eighty four won't be like nineteen eighty four. And the board of directors at Apple hated it, but they'd already bought the airtime, so what are you gonna do? We don't have anything else? Okay, run it once. Yeah, but you know, they, I think, you know, they I get think stuck. That, that remember that the studios are run by the money people. And for for the expectations that they set up here for the for the box office that they expected to get, and they're not getting at the end of the day, the people who control the purse strings control have the power. And especially these days when so much of what is uh, the content that we are getting is driven by will it sell t-shirts or action figures or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, I am 
I would be more in, and, and I realize I'm about to say a crazy thing, um, it would be logical for the studio to sit there and say, you know what, we'd like to have the next one make the money we'd like it to make. So you're going to have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's something that they do have control of the first string. Well, I think that... You know, uh- Consider, day, consider though, a director is an employee. Yeah, but he's already done. He's now done two movies that have not performed as well as you would expect. That has delivered stories that has met with, at best, mixed reaction. They know what kind of film they're going to get now. He, there, there is now an established track record with Zack Snyder in the DC movie universe. Oh, sure. Yeah, which is why I think that. Because of that, um, there was probably a very long discussion being had about what's really going to happen on the Justice League set. I'd yank him. I'd yank well, him. you know what? To be perfectly honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him in here either. Um, I, the more I think about it, the more I actually enjoyed Man of Steel more. Even though I got Batman and Wonder Woman in this film. And some of the visuals are really cool. I, I am still in that place where I will. I am capable of defending portions of Man of Steel as an Elseworlds title, mm-hmm. necessarily as you know. Whereas Batman versus Superman, there are still there are a couple of places, but they're they're few and far between. Um, and I think it really was a missed opportunity to to actually build on the Man of Steel universe in a way that would have led to a much more uh, well you could have you could have even gotten to the same point um, but actually have it more have more impact because of course spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Batman versus Superman if you're gonna kill Superman if you're going to have him die to save Ish. the world yeah you know and then then you make it matter. It's like it's like uh, um, Star Trek Into Darkness. If you kill off a character and you want the audience to care, you do it by building up decades of emotional attachment to that character. You mean Star Trek so, Two? Well, <laughs> when Spock was well, when, when Spock dies in Star Trek Two, yeah, you. There's there's an emotional there's an emotional punch because we we've watched Leonard Nimoy. Right, you've um, earned, you've and, earned that, and that was one of the complaints that we had about Batman vs Superman is they haven't earned those moments. Right, the, the, the assumption is is that because we all know these characters, we're just going to follow along. So I, you know, the <coughs> excuse me, um, I I think, and we'll see because I could be completely wrong, but I would have to imagine that, if nothing else, the fact that they want Ben Affleck, you know, Ben Affleck's going to do a solo Batman film, he's going to direct it. The fact that, you know, the numbers haven't been... I'm pretty sure there was a come-to-Jesus conversation. Oh, I'm um, sure there was. And it's basically involving the, if you want to keep working for us, this is what we're going to have to have happen. And I would think it would be, you know, the, you know, let's let's spend some more time on the script. Um, well, and I'd heard, I'd heard it was going to be less less existential crisis type stuff and more action sets, which means there's not going to be any story. It's just going to be a smash. Uh, it's going to be a smash and grab. Well, but sell the action uh, figures. How much story can you tell with a Justice League? Uh, let's ask Bruce Tim when he did it for uh, an animated thing. You know, yeah, so Bruce he, Tim also had the animated TV show where you could actually spend the time to introduce the characters and give them their own solo bit. Okay, well, okay, but, just uh, uh, Batman Superman Apocalypse, which is uh, where, that's yeah. where we're going. Yeah. That's where we're going. You introduced Supergirl in that movie. You have sure, ba- you Batman are, and Superman. 
But and, you already had Batman and Superman introduced and developed and right. all these things. Which and you Wonder do. Wonder Woman developed and all these things. Right, which you do. Um, and there there they are. And no. you're going to have the Wonder Woman solo film is, is next. So you're going to get her. And we've had gods of years of Batman. But you're adding in Flash, and you're adding in Aquaman, you might be adding in Green Lantern, and whoever else they're adding in here. And the, the Marvel side of that, the critiques of Avengers 2, uh, the biggest critique was so many characters, not enough story. Right. So, it's, you know, the, comparing the animated universe where you had the TV show, and you had the, ep- you know, the, the episodes where you could sit there and build these characters up and give everybody their solo episode. And- yeah, but Apocalypse wasn't part of the animated series. It was, ju- it was a standalone, but it told, the- it told a whole fully formed dark side story and introduced Supergirl in the same film. Sure, but at that point, though, you already had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman shorthand. They were done. You didn't have to do... Wonder Woman's origin or Superman's origin or Batman flashback because, you know, got to have a Batman. Right, yeah, you got to have that every time, time. sure. So by that point, and the audience was already primed for that. In fact, the folks who are already watching that, who are going to watch that movie in the first place, knows everything about these characters. Well, yeah, there that is that. Was, that is going right to the fans. This is going to the larger, larger uh, audience. If anything, the best we can hope for out of a Justice League movie is really cool action sequences. That's, I mean, that's all I'm thinking of because there's going to be so many characters, um, even if it's just Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, um, Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg, you know, we've already got, you know, Cyborg and, and uh, uh, Flash. They're not getting solo films before Avengers comes out. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Justice League comes out. <laughs> it's well, all the same. What? It's all the same. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. you know, we, we, we spent way too much time on, 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 you know, how, whether or not Snyder should be allowed to do things. That's right, we have. So we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're going to get to the rest of the news of the week. And uh, and discuss and and opine as we do, and uh, and and give you an opportunity where you can do the same. When H two O continues right after this message from our sponsors, superherostuff.com. Stand by. This is Sci Fi for Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com where heroes shop. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back, and so is our discussion of each and every episode as we gather down in the super-secret underground bunker at World Headquarters. Join us for recaps, analysis, and discussion, with a few digressions along the way, and you do have security clearance to listen. Level 117 every week, part of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, only on SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. 
Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious Crumbs only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey on the phone. Hello. And we are recording late into the evening, burning the midnight oil, because there's a lot of news this week. Uh, we kind of got sidetracked talking about Zack Snyder again. But let's talk a little bit more about because CinemaCon, the the, uh, the the annual convention of the cinema, the movie theater uh, companies that own own theaters, all of the movie theater uh, movie production houses have gone and made their presentations. Paramount and Amazon and and Universal, all these guys. And there's a ton of news coming out this week. We've got uh, official. I'm just gonna run through some of this stuff. Deadpool two is official. Uh, Doug Jones is going to star in the remake of Nosferatu. We've got uh, now four sequels to Avatar, according to James Cameron, like we need any of them. Uh, stars American yeah. Gods as adds Crispin Glover and Jonathan Tucker. Uh, Power, Power Rangers has a logo now. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. TNT is greenlit Tales from the Crypt. Jack Is someone ambivalent about. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, anything anything with M Night Shyamalan is going to be uh, dodgy at, at best at this point now because he's he's kind of stumbled he made, a few times. He made two good movies. I think he made two really good movies, and I think that I think he got locked into his own. He trapped himself. Well, it, it, I think I think I think he and and Snyder. You could apply this to Snyder too. They they get into a point where they believe their own press. People get so impressed with these up and comer directors. <gasps> oh, they're the next big thing, and everything that they do is gold. I mean, we saw it with Jonathan Trank uh, with uh, you know Chronicle, and then suddenly they gave him Fantastic Four, and it was a train wreck. And you get these directors who may be good, may be able to handle the smaller budget pictures, you know, may be able to handle a unique story or two that they're telling in a in a in a contained box. But you put them out there and try to do a repeat performance all the time, and you're not going to get that. And you're going to get disappointed, and suddenly you're just like, well, wait a minute, I thought you were this hotshot director. What happened? And I think that's something that happened with with uh, Shyamalan as well. I think I, I wonder how much he was. He really, you know, I just have no idea. But I wonder how much he really was wanting to keep making stories with twist endings, and how much that was like. Well, these are the things. This is this is what works. Keep doing that. Yeah, Josh Trank. I'm um, sorry, I said Jonathan before. It was Josh Trank. Oh, you did. Yeah. No, and. Well, and unfortunately, in in that case, um, based on Chronicle, it made sense. I mean, you know, you sat there and went, okay, yeah, I could see him doing Fantastic Four. Okay. Unfortunately, um, that whole production from beginning to end, uh, I don't think any director could have made that script work. Oh, no. No, no, no. 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 It was fraught with peril from the very beginning. Fraught, I say. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's one of those where the blame could be spread around. Um, it sounds like he was a, just a disaster on set. I mean, no no, no uh, uh, relieving him of that. But it sounds like on that whole project, there was so much blame to be spread around that I, I think that that was just a, a doomed thing from go and, and no one was... Everyone had their fingers crossed and... and uh, uh, they didn't have anybody come along and go, you know what? How about cheerful? 
you know, it's, it's almost as if, well, no, because that would be too Machiavellian to, to, uh, to apply to Fox. But it's almost like somebody at Fox basically sat there and said, it, it doesn't matter if it's good or not, as long as we make it thing and keep the rights. Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not the first before. time. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what they did with, with Corman. But it's almost like they did that all over again. Well, let's just make well, one think, just to have one just to make it. Let's, uh, who cares what it's going to look like? I honestly, I honestly think with that one that they, they looked at all the individual pieces. You know, hey, we're going to adapt uh, the ultimate Fantastic Four. Okay. The first, the, the, probably the first 12, 16 issues of Ultimate Fantastic Four were really interesting. And it was mm-hmm. a new and fresh take on the characters. They were younger. It was a modern environment. It treated them in a certain way that was interesting. And the biggest misstep in, in the comic book was that they basically turned Dr. Doom into a, a mutant thing. Right. Um, with cloven hooves. And you know, they actually made him into a sort of a demonic figure. Um but I think, you know, so you got that piece. Okay, that piece kind of that kind of okay, that could be cool, sure. And they go, oh, we've got the guy, we got the director of Chronicle. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, all right, cool. And we've got these young actors who are very talented. Okay, cool, yeah, yeah. Um, and nobody ever quite looked at all these pieces coming together and said, you know what, these things don't actually all fit. Yeah. Um, and then what you know, and then you have the drama behind the scenes and the drama on set and all the just the you know and the script. I mean, the, you know, it, it, that just it just was a bad script, um, a painfully bad script, actually. Oh yeah, it was terrible, terrible script. I mean, this that's the kind that's the kind of that's the kind of version of the story that actually makes the Corman film look good, because at least the folks working on the Corman film, the cast working on the Corman film really was trying to make their characters work. Yeah. Like we've got how much money? Okay, let's put it all into what we can what we can control. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see uh maybe not necessarily a documentary but a a, a dramatization of what happened to the Fantastic 4. Not the not the Corman one, but this the the Trank version. How it so completely went off the rails. I would like to see that story. I think we're going to get that story. I'm not sure. It'll, it, it may take a few more years, but I think we're going to get it. Somebody's going to talk. Yeah. And someone's going to give us the scoop on what really went wrong in that film because there are so many different things that did. You know, there's somebody out there who's dying to tell that story. But uh, The email address is H2O at sci-fi for me.com. Uh, if you want to remain well, anonymous, you can, but we'll have to verify your sources. Right. Yep. Yes. So. Lines, yeah, lines are open 24 hours. <laughs> Operators are standing by. Um, yeah, we did get a bit of sad news coming out. Um, yes, we did. Uh, there was, uh, actually, we had, actually had quite a bit of sad news, and I'm going to go... I, uh, the the less sad news, but still sad news, um, is that uh, uh, Jake Lloyd, uh, of course, played young Anakin Skywalker in the very first of uh, the first of the prequels. Yes. Um, uh, for those of you who haven't been followed this, he spent about ten months behind bars. Um, he's been very, very, very troubled life since. Uh, doing that film and, and there's been, you know, he was, his performance was criticized. He's a child. He was a child at the time. Um, you know, child acting is not a difficult thing. It's not a, it's a very difficult thing. Um, and, uh, he, I, he was, I think, in my opinion, you know, rather unfairly criticized for things he had no control over. Um, but he's had a lot of, he's struggled a lot since then. I mean, he was, you know, uh, he's had some real mental issues. Well, he, they transferred him to a psychiatric facility. Yes. Um, and uh, getting help with his schizophrenia. And this is, it's sad, but it's also good. So I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm hopeful for him because I'm, you know, as somebody who, who struggled with depression uh, in my life and, and big fan of therapy and big fan of, uh, um, you know, getting help, the help you need, um, I, I'm glad to hear he's, they, they moved him from, from jail to a place where he actually can get treatment. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. You know, we had... Because, uh, well, I was going to say that, that, that there's there's an, a big discussion going on right now in the larger world about incarceration versus treatment when it comes to a lot of, a lot of the folks who are uh, uh, in jail, you know, a, a certain percentage of them really need to be in, in mental health facilities getting treatment versus being in behind bars. Right. Um, and uh, uh, the reason they're there in the first place is because they're mental, they've got mental issues. Um, so, you know, the more we get these folks out of the, the, the prison or jail environment and into a place where they can actually get help for, for whatever chemical or, or, or mental issues they have, uh, the better it is. So, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that that's where he is in his life, but it's also hopeful, I think, that, that he's got a place where he can... Because schizophrenia is not 100% fixable by any stretch of the imagination, but there are treatments for it. There are ways to help people. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that will go well for him. Um, and our but, other uh, sad news... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Our condolences uh, go out the to the family, family of Gareth, of Gareth, Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas, yes. Who played um, for those Blake. Who, yeah, Blake Seven, um, the anti-Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, whatever happened to the sci-fi reboot? Haven't they been talking about doing that? It was a, a couple of years ago they announced that that was going to happen, and we've never seen anything of it. I know, and it's really unfortunate because it's a it's a uh, a universe that is ripe for more stories, and it is, you know, we, we've we we've been known to criticize the the remake and reboot here from time to time, but that was that is one where it would benefit from having a new take on the story. Mm. And unfortunately, we are not we are we have we've moved past the point where we can realistically have a sequel. Um, certainly now, um, but yeah. before, even before even before he died, um, the cast is the original cast is either dead or or far too old to uh, do much more than do cameos in in their own film. Which is yeah. unfortunate. Thomas was um, seventy one years old, and uh, yeah. it's reported here it was heart failure. So I think that because it is such an interesting interesting universe to play in for the folks who don't for the, for the, for the, for the listeners who don't know Blake seven was essentially um, take the crew of the Starship Enterprise the main cast make them all criminals on the run from the Federation uh, which was actually called the Federation well it's kind of like dark matter it, well yeah it would so without the amnesia if you look at what Followed. There's some series that definitely had some, some uh, echoes, if not obvious influences. Farscape um, mm -hmm. had a lot of the flavor of, of Blake Seven, um, Dark Matter. Anytime you've got a, a small band of rebels fighting against the Galactic Empire, oh, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of places where, where I think Blake, Blake Seven had an influence. But it was also a relatively obscure for modern audiences show because unless you were a son, unless you were British or Canadian or Australian, where you got the but we got the British shows were coming out uh, to you as well, or you were a science fiction fan and saw them at the conventions, yeah, or the the stage the PBS stations that played them. That's what I first saw. I first saw it on PBS. Yeah, they were back. Um, they were back to back with Doctor Who. Sure. Yeah. Um, and but still, it was it was some very rich, especially for the time. I mean, when you think about, I mean, and the British were doing this long before American audiences were doing it. Or, or, you know, as we've talked before about how it was well into uh, the 
late 90s before we were getting really serialized science fiction on TV. And yeah. they were doing that, you know, in the 70s. Um, so, but it was, it was kind of, it really was kind of the anti-Star Trek. And it's from the same, it's from the, uh, well, it's from the guy who created the Daleks. Yes, um, Terry Nation. So, you know, we're automatically starting from a darker place. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was really interesting. Uh, it was an interesting show. I think, I think the effects have not aged well, but some of the storylines really have. And Avon, um, who was Blake's nominal second in command, sort of friend, often, uh, in conflict with, um, sort of, you know, he was kind of the anti-Spock. Uh, he was he was cold and calculating, but it was there was uh, uh, he was certainly very very human. Right. So it's, it was it, it was it was it's a show that honestly a, you know a, a Battlestar Galactica level remake would just be awesome for Blake Seven. Um. And I think there'd be an audience for it. They'd appreciate it. And, and hey, you know, if, if, if studios are convinced we want the grimdark, um, Blake Seven's actually a place where the grimdark works. True, uh, yep. Because uh, several, of, several of the main characters were actually guilty of their crimes. Um, and, uh, you know, your main character, Blake, Blake was accused of what, rape? I believe that was his, his, his the crime he was committed. Can't uh, remember. Convicted, convicted of? So it's, you know, but it also gets, it also did sort of subvert the, uh, you know, the whole positive federation uh, of the Star Trek universe. I mean, it really was, you know, even to the logo was the turn, sideways turn uh, uh, Starfleet shield. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, he's not someone that I think a lot of fans have thought about for a long time. But he was a very important actor in in some very influential science fiction. So it is a shame to lose him. Speaking of dark, Jackie Earl Haley is now all the villains. I know, right? I mean, he's all over the place now. He's in uh, has just been announced that he's going to play the terror uh the villain in in Amazon's reboot of The Tick. Which if they do it in the appropriate funny way, which I've heard some like weird things about them not doing it in the appropriate funny way. Yeah. Um, which was crazy talk. Um, he's someone you don't necessarily think of as being funny. Right. He was really funny on Human Target. Was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was actually the, he was actually one of the best reasons to watch Human Target. Because um, he was really funny. And so I think that, that uh, considering how dark he's going to be and some of the other things he's playing, then uh, I hope I hope they let him be really funny on, on the tick. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because he needs a break. Yeah, the other the other project he's negotiating with right now is uh, Dark Tower. Um, yeah. To play the vampire Sayer, mm-hmm. um, who would be the the villain for Idris Elba's gunslinger. I mean. Ton that it's that's he's he's not. I mean, Rorschach was his moment, and ev- after that, everybody was talking about Jackie Earl Haley. But he's not a new actor. I mean, he's been working for quite a while, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And then well, and then he did. Uh, he he played the the new Freddy Krueger, right? Uh, right. In the unfortunate Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um. Which at some point I'm going to have to. At some point, you know, one of the things you want to do about horror for me is look at some of the remakes and, and reboots of various things. Uh, and that's a that's an example of how not to do one. Yeah. Um, because it certainly had the visual texture. I mean, I'm not going to knock the way the film looked, although some of the effects were 
unfortunate. Practical folks sometimes stick with the practical effects. Um, but, you know, they bungled, they bungled the script in a couple of real key places. But So that, unfortunately, you know, that was supposed to be his big franchise blowout there, and, and it didn't work. But he's a, he's a good actor, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about the, you know, uh, you know, the character and the character he's playing on Preacher is just one of the most repugnant villains in comic book history. He's on Preacher as well. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and so I mean, I mean, Preacher's Preacher is, is a show guaranteed to offend. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It will, it will tick off many, many people. Um, but when he shows up, if they stay true to the character. Audiences are going to sit there and go, whoa, I can't believe they did that. And the, feature, and the comic book fans will go, oh, yeah, saw that coming. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 he's, he's like the Benedict Cumberbatch of horror right now. Right. Well, um, and and you're excited about that, but you're also excited about the casting on American Gods. Let's let's go to I that am. again real quick. Crispin Glover? Oh, ca- yeah. Who? I think, he, I think it's I, who would want to to work with him again after all of the stories that we've heard about him on set over the years? I'm really surprised. Well, That's a real surprise casting announcement for me. Well, you know, but I think that I think that that how much of this stuff, uh, uh, you know, there's there's you know people change, people grow, people whatever. Um, I hope that it's a it's a worthwhile working environment for folks. I just think the casting is great. Yeah. Um, I'm really getting excited about America God. I love the novel. Um, I think it's uh, uh, one of the better modern fantasy novels. I mean, Neil Gaiman does fine work as it is, but I think it really is something that that uh, explored mythology, modern mythology, in a way that nobody had done. Um, and if it's handled well, and, and just looking at the casting, they're at least going in the right direction. Um, Did that win a Hugo? You know what? I don't. I, I think don't think it, it did. did. I don't think it did. Um, but uh, um, it really is just a very cool story, and I'm really excited. I think that there are really. I mean, because it's, it's got it's got. Big themes and little themes, and it's very personal. And there are, it's the kind of story that, if 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 they if the script really is right, it's going to end up being one of those you know, series that we are talking about ten, twenty years later. Right. Um, because it's, I mean, it's it's original source material is that good. So we'll see. But I mean, I'm yeah, I'm really excited about the cast. Okay. It's shaping up so well. Well, and this has shaped up to be an hour, so uh, we're going to wrap up. We've, yeah, we haven't even, I mean, there's lots of stuff we didn't cover. Oh, yeah, but, uh, I know. We've we've just barely scratched the surface, but, uh, uh, yeah, y'all don't want to hear us talk about it all the time. So, <laughs> so we're going to head out, and if you have an opinion about this or any of the other news of the week or in any of, of anything that's going on, in the science fiction or fantasy or horror communities, and you'd like to share your thoughts or have, uh, you know, send us a prompt and, and uh, ask us about something. Maybe we'll talk about something we haven't talked about before. If you've got suggestions, we're, we're certainly open to that. The email address, h2o at sci-fi for me.com, or you can leave comments on all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Tumblr, and uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, next week, who knows? Uh, you know, I think at some point we're going to have to talk about Ghost in the Shell because that started production we this week. Uh, we've got our first image of Scarlett Johansson in the lead role. So we're we're definitely going to be putting that on the list to discuss in depth at some point. And, of course, we've got to circle back around to the Hugo Awards because the the nomination process is coming to a close, so we've got uh, we've got that to look forward to. All sorts of stuff. We haven't really talked about the Rogue One. I mean, we did talk about the Rogue One trailer a little bit, 
Uh, but there's lots of Star Wars news. Uh, you can catch all of the latest of that over on Salacious Crumbs over on Sci-Fi for Me TV. And uh, other podcasts here, you can listen to those through iTunes or Stitcher or uh, or your podcast player of choice. And, of course, we've got uh, news and opinion and recaps over at SciFiForMe.com and HorrorForMe.com. Uh, don't forget also, speaking of podcasts, Team Zombie is uh, experimenting with the podcast format and uh, their discussion of Fear the Walking Dead. So that's uh, yeah. that's something to look forward to as well. We'll see how that plays out. And uh, we've got to get that set up so it feeds into iTunes and all of you can enjoy that discussion too. Okay, I guess that's it. Tim Harvey. Always a pleasure, sir. My name is Jason Hunt. On behalf of all of us here at Sci-Fi for Me, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget, check out SuperheroStuff.com for your latest merchandise needs. And we are going to be giving away a hero box on our 115th episode. It's coming very soon, so stay tuned for that. And we will be back next week with another episode of H2O. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. 